I want to talk about imprinting of the cross of Calvary as well as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ had a came and died on the cross but not rose again, none of us would have experienced justification. And if he would just, and again, if he just died on the cross, but in his mind, in the mind of God, he was the lamb who was slain from the foundations of the world. Can you say amen to that? This was in his divine plan from the very beginning. So today I want to look at two deaths and the residual effects of the death of Lazarus and Jesus, as well as two resurrections. And I may not get to the, to the, the, uh, the uh, second resurrection, but I want you to know that the imprinting of both has taken place in your life already, probably, or else you would not be here. You were imprinted by the cross of Calvary because you, your sins are forgiven. If you've, if you've acknowledged Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you said, Lord, I believe that, that God sent Jesus in the form of flesh. He came and he, he died. He rose again. And I believe in my heart that Jesus has, is my Savior. Then you are going to be redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. So the crucifixion is very important. But folks, without a resurrection, Jesus would have been just another man. But because of the resurrection, I mean, the power of the Holy Spirit came in and brought him back to life. And because of that, you and I have justification. Can you say amen to that? So everyone here has experienced one or more of these situations. A death of a loved one, a death of a dream or the death of a vision, or the death of many people here have experienced death of pets causes people to go into depression. I thought Penny was going to go into depression whenever her, her dog died. But, but you don't. And the death of a marriage through divorce, a loss of motivation or ambition or a loss of a job, death of relationships, even through, even sometimes through betrayal, but sometimes just a lack of cultivation. There's a death of a relationship there. And so you've got to work on relationships. You all know that, right? You've got to work on making it work. And there's a death of affections, Remember doing counseling several years ago? And the lady said, I just don't love him anymore. I said, well, did you fall in love? She said, yes. I said, if you fell in love, you can fall out. But if you grow to love somebody, then you're not going to, you just continue growing in that love. So havoc or war or conflict will really produce stress in people's life. And the losses very often causes a person to experience some negative feelings and emotions leading to even depression. In addition to these negative experiences, at times there are lasting impressions that really are called imprinting in your psychic or in your emotions, where someone or something has left its mark on you. Now, how many, I guess everybody in here has had some form of surgery or another, or if you haven't, you probably had scars in your life where you fell or you, you injured yourself somehow, everybody's got scars. Those are physical markings on people's lives that, that leaves a permanent and a lasting impression on your flesh. Likewise, people can also be scarred emotionally. And so whenever that happens, I mean, that leaves a tremendous impression called an imprinting on your psychic. And so these, um, the imprinting begins and continues with us throughout the rest of our lives. I've got a question I want to ask every, everybody in here. How many people in here have a birthmark? Wow. I should have had one. It should have been a coffee cup pot. But, I love, but my wife 
has got a teapot on her forehead. Now, don't go looking at her staring her down when, when you go out today, but she's got a teapot there, and I don't know how in the world, and I was reading on how, how, did this, how does imprinting occur, and, and so many people, they don't know how it occurs, but my sister, Linda, has a cotton bowl on her back, and the reason about two or three years, uh, two or three months after conceiving her, she was out picking cotton. Now, I don't know how this happens, and most people, scientists, don't know how it happens, but there is an imprinting that takes place, and so she's got a cotton bowl on her back. I think Patty's got a, 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 a pecan somewhere on her body, shoulder or somewhere, but I mean, I mean maybe her mom was picking pecans, when, and, and I think that's really what happened, and your mom, I think, was drinking tea, Linda, when you got the teapot on your head. But imprinting is a way of connecting. My daughter-in-law, LaMonica, she has imprinted some ducks one time, some baby ducks that were born. And by the way, I just, just as a way of reminding, imprinting is a way in times past of domesticating wild animals. So whatever they first see when they first are born, this is what they normally, they try to emulate. And so, but at La Monica, they had some little baby ducks that were born. And uh, so whenever they saw her, they just followed her everywhere. She would, they would just walk and waddle and follow her wherever she goes. And, and as a matter of fact, um, if she would, she never flew. So therefore the ducks never flew. So they just walked their entire life. If she'd have just made wings and fly, those ducks would have flown. But they just walked down to the pond and swim around. But isn't it amazing that many people go through life imprinted by not-so-good things and they live far below their capability and they never fulfill their potential because they have so been imprinted in their life that they just don't recognize. And this is why the cross of Calvary, once it imprints your life and you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me if you've been imprinted by the power of the cross. Amen? Hallelujah. An extensive or prolonged negative imprint is called a trauma. Trauma imprints are often referred to as PTSD. That's post-traumatic stress disorder. And when this happens, the mind records all of the sensory data associated with that event. Now stay with me. I'm leading up to the death of Lazarus and the death of Jesus. Now the mind, whenever trauma happens, the mind records sights and sounds and textures and smells and temperature and, uh, and flavors and colors. It just, it records so many things up there. Your mind is an amazing thing. And so, and many other perceptive data also is, re, is associated with those events. The negative emotional, many times, these negative emotions are reflected by anger. I've counseled with several people who have been, several ladies who have been raped, and they are so angry. They had to deal with that first. But they had to deal then with shame and guilt and fear and humiliation and pain and terror and anguish and grief and loss. So many people, and everyone is in here has dealt with some of those emotions at one time or another. And so uh, notice, I want you to notice something though. After a future time, or at a future time, whenever presented with the similar stimuli, a flashback occurs and you relive that incident. It happens many times. 
people that are shell-shocked, whenever they hear a loud boom, I mean, they die for cover, especially those that's been in the military and been in the war zone. And very often it causes a person to experience the same negative emotional traits as they had when they first experienced this trauma. Now let's go to John chapter 11, verses 1. Mary and Martha were tremendously affected by the death of their brother, Lazarus. Now, first of all, he was sick. So Lazarus was sick, and so Mary and Martha, they sent word to Jesus to come and heal him because Jesus loved him. They loved Mary and Martha. So, you know, and surely he would come because he knew them. Surely he would come and heal Lazarus. So the story occurs about eight days prior to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This is when the story happens. Now, the major purpose of this story prior to the death of Jesus is for, in my opinion, is the possibility of imprinting on their lives something that would happen eight days afterwards, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. So... uh, they wanted, I think Jesus wanted them to be imprinted with the power of the resurrection. And so, so when, verse 6, so when Jesus had heard that he was sick, I like this, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. He didn't hurry up to make a hospital call. I mean, he didn't go to the ER trying to find whoever was sick, sick. Because he said there's a, there's a purpose behind all this. So he stayed two more days in the place where he was. And you might be saying, what did he do that for? Why didn't he come on down whenever? And so how many times have we called on God and Jesus come help us and somehow he just doesn't show up on our timetable. But he's got his own timetable in your life. And he knew that that Lazarus was sick. As a matter of fact, verse 11, Jesus said to his disciples, now I'm I'm just thinking in my back of my mind, this this is why Jesus has got a sense of humor. He said, our friend Lazarus sleeps, so let's go wake him up. Joke, joke. But on the other hand, the disciples said, well, if he sleeps, he will get well. So Jesus said to them, hey, guys, look, no joke, Lazarus is dead. Now, at that point in time, in the disciples' mind, if he's dead, he's dead. And so, and I'm afraid, but Jesus said in verse 15, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, but that you may be imprinted with my belief system. He didn't say exactly why I just said there, but that's what he was intended to say. And he said, and all these things, in other words, all things are possible to him who believes. Everything. You got to reckon, everything is possible to him who believes. I call my friend Ron Tyson. And I said, Ron, I just want you to know that I have said in times past, you know, we're not, nobody's going to get out of this life alive. But I said, that is not true. I've said that many times. But that's not true. Jesus said, he who believes in me will never die. Never die. So, in other words, we just have a change of address. And we just get a change of location. So, um, but he says, I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there because I want you to be imprinted with the very fact that I've got the power to raise people from the dead. Nevertheless, let's go to him. Now, notice the sarcasm of Thomas. Thomas says, great, let's all go up there and die with him. 
<laughs> so Jesus, but you know, Jesus, whenever the sarcasm came, he didn't, he didn't, he just ignored that because they were seeking to kill Jesus up there in Bethany there. So the sarcasm didn't affect Jesus, so he just ignored that statement. So when Jesus arrived, Lazarus has been in the tomb for four days. Four to, now notice the imprinting of the loss or the death of their brother Lazarus on Mary and Martha. When they heard that Jesus was coming, I both, they, they both looked at each other and said, this is too little, too late. I mean, he's not on time. And so they had this imprinting in their mind. They saw, experienced the death of their brother, not only that, but they had to go through the funeral procession. They had to put him in the tomb, and he was in there two days because Jesus didn't come right down there and heal him. So when they heard that, Jesus was coming. Martha went out to meet him, and Mary stayed behind sulking and pouting because Jesus was just a little late. Have you ever felt like he was a little late in your life? I think we all have. But you know what? He's never, he's never late, but he is seldom on time. So he's going to be there. It's his timetable that we need to get on, not necessarily ours. Amen? <clears throat> You know, you can't, I imagine Mary and Martha both were saying, you know, you can't heal a dead man. Well, you can't raise a, resurrect a live one either. You got to have something die before you experience a resurrection. So Mary and Martha both said that they were imprinted with grief and loss and anger toward Jesus. And Mary and Martha both said the same thing. They had been talking about this probably for a long time. So he said, and Martha said, whenever Jesus was coming, Martha went out to meet him and she said, if you would have been here, my brother would not have died. <clears throat> but I know that whatever you ask God, he'll do it. And Jesus said, well, your brother will rise again. And she said, well, I know in the last days, when the res I know that he'll rise again. But then I think he, he just got her and he said, Martha, look at me. Look at me. I am the resurrection and the life. So I really think this is why, you know, he had to get her attention to rec for her to recognize that, that he had solutions far beyond hers. And so, that, so your brother will live. And so furthermore, he who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this, Martha? So Martha went secretly and told Mary, I think she just probably went and said, you know, I think Jesus is wanting to talk to you. He just talked to me. So Martha, Mary had been so imprinted by the death of the brother she was pouting and she was so angry with, angry with Jesus because he stayed two more days where he was whenever he could have came and healed Lazarus. So when Mary met up with Jesus, I believe she angrily said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. The same thing Mary said. So I think that many of us, we talk about among ourselves and we get, a, we get an idea of how God is going to move in our life and we hold God to that expectation. And he is saying, you know, I've got another solution. I've got another way of handling this. Negative imprinting always involves blaming someone or being angry at someone. Yes, grief-stricken, yes, especially the ones who could have prevented the death to begin with. So they, they were naturally angry at Jesus, the one who caused this situation to occur. 
please note something, though. Whenever our possible outcomes have been exhausted and we are at the end of our rope, Jesus steps up with another solution. And so Jesus said, where have you laid him? He said, well, he's in the tomb. Well, take me, show up to And this is the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He was out there weeping with them. Now, the Bible says weep with those that weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So I, th- I think this is, Jesus was just showing they were, he was, re- he was a weeping with Mary and Martha because, I mean, they had lost their brother. So he says, and again, he says, where have you laid him? In the tomb. He's been dead four days. He's going to be stinking to high heaven. They said, roll the tomb back, roll the stone back from the, and so he says, Lazarus, I love this, come forth. And Lazarus was just waddling out there. He was wrapped in these grave clothes. He was, now why in the world couldn't Jesus somehow just cut those grave clothes off? But sometimes we've got to do something to see a resurrection occur in your life, in your situation. And God wants you to know he is the one, he is the resurrection and the life, and he will do that. But we've got to untie the dead corpse and allow it to go free, amen? So you and I got to recognize he is the resurrection and the life, and Jesus called him right out of the tomb. Now today, for our application in our lives, Some people may have been traumatized by loss or some failure in your life in some way and you've been imprinted with a negative. I want everyone to know this. I want everybody in here to know this. The ghost of the past, the PTSD, can arrive upon you, on any of us who has experienced the trauma of the past. It's called the ghost of the past. They somehow float around until they find an excellent opportunity to bring a trauma event back to your life. People who want to escape the trauma or the ghost of the past will resort to anything that will ease the pain or help them to escape reality. This is why many times we've got people resorting to drugs and alcohol and all different types of things just to escape the reality of this trauma. However, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ today, I want you to know, has a way of totally erasing PTSD and immediately goes to the opposite end of the spectrum where there's hope and there's anticipation, there's joy, there's freedom, and there's optimism. That's what the resurrection does. It brings, this is why it's, I I just don't even like the word Easter anymore because it's, it's, it's just a pagan holiday. But I like Resurrection Sunday. And boy, whenever you get up and you wreck, yes, give God applause. And whenever Jesus was raised from the dead, after he was three days after he was crucified, the Bible says, well, now, I just want to look at a couple th- things here. Thomas, he was impacted to the point that he was not, he was not a believer. I mean, he said, man, do you see what really happened here in, our, in, in this, whole, this whole city? Our leader, one we have been following for three years, he was crucified. We thought he was going to be the leader of our nation of Israel. And he says, this is unbelievable. I'm I'm quitting this. You ever decided to quit Jesus? I have. It doesn't work. (laughs) I think it's Isaiah 43. It says, even if a fool somehow gets on the highway of holiness, he can't get off. There's no exit ramp. 
I love that so much. I mean, it's just one of those things. So, I mean, I've probably been a fool in my life on several different occasions. I hope to be wise and want wisdom to come in my life. But I want you to know, even though a fool gets on the highway of holiness, there is no exit ramp. You can't get off. He's not going to turn you loose. You have to willingly walk away and say, Jesus, like Thomas, I don't believe this stuff. And many people do that. They can just walk away and say, I'm not a believer anymore. I never said I wasn't a believer. I said, God, you just disappointed me to the point that trauma had set into my life. And so I just want you to know, where were you when I really needed you? And he says, right there by your side, right by you. He never, he said, as a matter of fact, that's his promise. I will never, never leave you nor forsake you. This is why you can count on Jesus more than anything else. You can count on him because he will never leave you nor forsake you. But now after Jesus, he was crucified. He rose again on the third day. That morning, of course, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb to see if, if Jesus was, where, where they had taken the body. And Peter and John also was running there to find out, hey, the, the body's missing. And, and all we have is just some folded up clothes. Someone folded up his clothes. I'm wondering if he did that. Someone made the bed. Remember that message I preached on, just make the bed? That's a starting place. <clears throat> but the trauma and the imprinting of the, tru- of the crucifixion of Jesus on his disciples were so intensively traumatic. Can you imagine following a man after three years and seeing him do many miracles, turning the water into wine, healing the lepers, cleansing the, 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 cleansing the lepers and raising the dead, and just doing many things in his ministry, and you man, this guy, he walking on water? I mean, the winds and the wave obey him? Can you imagine that? And this is their leader that they knew was so powerful, but yet they saw him hanging on a tree, a crown of thorns on his head, nails in his hands and his feet, a spear thrust into his side, and blood was just gushing, and they was beaten with a cat of nine tails, 39 stripes put on his back. I mean, they saw the horror of this crucifixion. Would you not be traumatized by that? So these guys went back to their house. They were in hiding, afraid the Jews would come and get them and do the same thing to them that they did to Jesus, their leader. And Jesus, on that evening of the resurrection, like it would be this evening, he just shows up about 6 o'clock and he just, the doors are all shut. He just appears. So this resurrected body of Jesus can walk through anything. He just, he just appeared Now, I want you to know, what does the word, what does the first thing he said to them? Peace be unto you. Now, the word peace, it means prosperity, it means wellness, it means wholeness, but it also means the deliverance from the trauma, not from the conflict. Not deliverance from the conflict, but from the trauma that the conflict could have caused. So he walked in there and addressed the PTSD that these disciples were going through, and he said, peace be unto you. I got, I got something, something else. You know, whenever the announcement for the birth of Christ, the heavenly host, what were they singing? The first, their, their choir 
the heavenly host choir was singing, Peace on earth and goodwill to men. And about halfway through the ministry of Jesus Christ, when he chose the 70, and he says, I want you to go out and, and go to the cities that I'll be coming into. I want you to go before me and say to every house that you go into, he divided them two by two, 70 of them. So he said, I want you to go into every house and say, peace be unto you. And he says, and if a son of peace lives there, or if somebody who is, now that son of peace is probably, is going to be somebody who is, has a proclivity toward peace, and will receive you with kindness, then he says, he says, then your peace will stay there. But if you get it to come to a house where there's just a bunch of chaos and strife and confusion and division, and they will not receive that peace, he said this, your peace will return to you. And, in, and I was reading that in, 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 the, in, in another place, and it says that your peace will not only return to you, but you will have blessings because of that peace returning to you. Whereas the house, if they would have received these disciples, these 70 that went out, they would have had the peace. And they would have not had to deal with that traumatic effect. And at the end of the ministry of Jesus Christ, after the crucifixion on Resurrection Sunday, just like, the week, just like tonight, he appeared and he says, peace be to you. In Ephesians 2.14, I didn't give you this in Brody, but it says that Jesus came and he preached peace to all of us, to all who were afar off as well as to those who were near. And so the crucifixion so imprinted the disciples and Judas himself was so imprinted by the betrayal that he had done, he had sold Jesus for 30 pieces of silver and seeing the sentence of death put in on him, Judas was so traumatized by this and folks, I'm just telling you, this is what trauma will do to you. It'll drive you to do things that you would not normally do. But Judas went out and he hanged himself. So this is why you've got to wreck it. You've got to deal with the trauma of your life. And everybody in here has dealt with trauma in some way or another. And again, I said Thomas was so affected that, and so imprinted that he just said, oh, this is unbelievable. I'm not going to follow him anymore. But eight days later, as a matter of fact, whenever the disciples told him, we have seen him. He came and he said, peace be unto us. And Thomas said, I'm not going to believe that. I'm not going to believe it until I can put my hand in his side and see the scars in his hands. I'm not going to believe it. Eight days later after the crucifixion and the resurrection, I mean, Jesus appeared to Thomas as well as the other ten because Judas was dead. He appeared to Thomas and he said, Thomas, come here. Feel my side. Look at my hands. And he said, Thomas, blessed are those people who don't have to see to believe. None, none of us have seen him. But so we believe. But he said, blessed are those who do not have to see to believe. But you have doubted, so I'm I sure. And this is what God will meet you wherever you are. This is the amazing thing about Jesus. I mean, wherever you are, in whatever position you're in, like you're in, I just want you to know Jesus will show up and be your Savior as well as your healer. And then if, if things are dead, he will also be your resurrection and life, whatever you have need of. Next week, I'm going to continue on with that particular, with, with the two on the road to Emmaus. I mean, they were, that was just so, that was an amazing they were so depressed, and I'll, I'll do, continue this next week. But as, they, as the two on the road to Emmaus, Jesus appeared to them. Jesus, the one who was crucified, he appeared to, to Cleopas. And he said, 
he said, what's going on here in the city of Jerusalem? And Cleopas said, man, are you the only stranger in town? Do you not know what took place here? I just think that's so funny to how that Cleopas reacted to Jesus. And he saw Jesus hanging on the cross, but he was a bloody mess. Unrecognizable by some accounts. So traumatized were the two on the road to Emmaus. But folks, I'll talk about their imprinting next Sunday when we take communion. So I just pray right now, just every head bowed and every eye closed, I would just like to just ask you, how many said, Pastor, I, I don't, I've been traumatized in my life by 